welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey there and welcome to the final episode of season four of the Abundant Yoga Teacher podcast. Great to have you here as always. Today we're going to be talking about, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about Chinamasta and what as an archetype, she can represent for us in business, where she can throw some light, where she might be in shadow and what all of that means. A couple of things. Uh, I want to say thanks to Beck, uh, who in- has inspired this particular topic. Go follow her on Insta. This Light Destroys Darkness is her Insta handle. And um, we met uh, at the summer studio yoga teacher training in Armadale and uh, she's uh, support faculty on that YTT. And she's actually had, she'd actually had some shirts made with Chinamasta printed on them. And um, she said to me, Oh my God, I can't believe you know who Chinamasta is. No one knows who Chinamasta is. And I thought, poor Chinamasta, we need to bring her out and start talking about her. But having said that, um, she's a little controversial. You know, when you create a podcast and you upload it onto Apple Podcasts, there is a box that you tick if you have explicit content. I've never ticked the box before, despite my potty mouth. But Chino Master uh, provides good reason to tick the box, as we'll see soon enough. Before we get into the guts of the podcast, a couple of things, as I mentioned at the top, This is the final episode for season four. I will be taking a short break uh, through to the end of the year on podcasting. So great news if you've missed episodes, you know, go back through all of the available episodes and the ones that you haven't played. Listen to those. And if you have any ideas for 2020 um, that you'd like me to cover, if there's something that you're working on, I'm getting all the podcasting organized now the schedule set up now for definitely for January while I'll be away do reach out and let me know hit me up on insta at amy yoga biz coach so final episode huzzah of the podcast for this year and thanks to everybody who you know lets me know that they're finding value in it that that sent through ideas that has done a rating or a review it really it means a lot to me so thank you also uh, a heads up uh, this week is the final week of that I'm teaching the uh, social media confidence for yoga teachers. I've had such a blast teaching that course and so many of the people who are doing it say that they really uh, have enjoyed it and have got value from it that I've decided that I'll do it all again. So that won't be happening until the start of February. Um, but if you feel like you missed out, uh, never fear. Uh, I know a bunch of people said, I really want to do it, but I can't do it right now because hashtag life. Uh, It will be coming up again. I decided that yesterday that bugger it. That was fun. Let's do it again. So you can check it out already if you want to amymcdonald.com.au forward slash social, but uh, I'll be talking more about it in the new year, just to let you know that don't have FOMO about the social media confidence for a yoga teachers program. I've decided to do it all again. All right, so let's jump into what I want to talk about today, which is, um, again, Amy's personal 
secular interpretation of some ancient teachings, in particular the goddess Chinamasta. And I've got a couple of books that I'm going to be drawing from, some of my favorite goddess books if you do goddess work. Uh, I totally recommend both of these. The first one is David Kinsley's Tantric Visions of the Divine Feminine about the 10 Mahavidyas. Good book. Got pictures. Um, I can't remember where I got it. I think I paid for it in rupees though. So uh, you might not, I suspect it would be out of print, but hey, nothing like noodling around a spiritual bookshop in India uh, to get your yoga nerd on or, you know, Google, Google David Kinsley, Tantric Visions of the Divine Feminine, The Ten Mahavidyas. Good book, good resource. And of course, also going to be drawing a little from Sally Kempton's Awakening Shakti. Sally Kempton, Awakening Shakti, The Transformative Power of the Goddesses of Yoga. And, you know, in preparing the content for you today, Turns out Sally Kempton also used David Kinsley's book. Maybe that's how I found it. Maybe I just went and bought her entire bibliography. That would not surprise me. So let's talk about Chinamasta. Who the hell is she? All right, I'm going to read from, um, because this is just great. I'm going to read from David's book to give you an impression of what she looks like. I meditate on the goddess Chinnamastar, who is seated in the center of the sun's disk and holds in her left hand her own severed head while with gaping mouth. Her hair is disheveled and she is drinking the stream of blood gushing from her own neck. She is seated on Rati and Kamadeva, who are engaged in sexual dalliance. And she is rejoicing with her friends Darkini and Varini. Now, I'll give you the Sally Kempton version. Oh, hang on. I've got to get the right page here because it's not quite as, um, <laughs> it's not quite as intense. Where are you? Noony, noony, noo. Um, ma, ma, ma. No, gosh, no, I can't find it. Gee, I, I get, you wouldn't guess, would you, that, um, that I actually prepare for this, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. But essentially, let me describe it for you. If you haven't, Google up an image of her if you don't know who I'm talking about. But she's standing up in, like, um, she's, you know, cut her own head off. Although we're going to talk about a slightly different origin story in this podcast. But anyway, she's holding her severed head. There are three streams of blood gushing out of her neck. She's drinking one. Two other people are drinking one each. And then she's standing on two people um, uh, in, um, reverse goddess pose, which, uh, is tantric speak for, um, the woman is on top during sex. <laughs> nice. So she's, you know, a little, like I said, a little controversial. There's a bit of self mutilation. There's a little bit of sort of cannibalism and there's a hell of a lot of sex. It's what you would be looking for in a tantric goddess. No. And so I guess, Oh, in fact, she's actually on the cover of David Kinsley's book, an old image there of exactly this. She's sitting on the two having sex in that image. Why not? She's a busy lady. She's cut her head off. She's feeding the kids. I mean, come on, let a lady take a seat. So, you know, she, she if you compare her to sort of the sweet face of Lakshmi, oh, look, I'm sitting here on a lotus. I'm pouring out coins. You know, or Saraswati, I've got an instrument. I've got a swan. Uh, even compared to Carly, okay, Carly's got the long tongue, she's dripping blood, but she's not quite as 
um, feral. She's not quite as in your face as Chinamasta. I think Chinamasta is the most in your face goddess uh, that we can explore in as far as the, definitely as far as the 10 Mahavidyas go. Um, and that's why I think she's so fun. No one talks about her because she's saucy and she's violent and she is a woman. She's an intense woman. If you have ever been called intense, if you've ever had that feedback, Oh my God, you're so intense. AKA 90% of the dates Amy's ever been on, on Tinder. Oh my God, you're so intense. Maybe Chinamasta is your girl. Uh, maybe Carly was just not enough and you need to, to dial it up and really like you want intense. Gina Master is intense. So, so what? Okay, let's, I'm not trying to be unnecessarily provocative. In fact, I'm not trying to be provocative at all. I just think that it's interesting to talk about different ideas in yoga. And I know I've had a truckload of feedback from so many of you saying, we like it when you tell us something that we don't know. Well, God knows we've been talking about Lakshmi and Saraswati and Kali for enough. Let's get down and dirty with someone we don't talk about very often. So, um, I'm going to read you one of her origin stories as, um, as with any of these deities, you know, they have, because they're, uh, formed from different traditions and hybrid traditions and evolving traditions over time, every deity has a lot of different origin stories. And I've chosen, um, one of them, which I kind of like because while I'm not a parent, I suspect it may resonate for a lot of my listeners. One day Parvati went to bathe in the river with her attendants, Jaya and Vijaya. After bathing, the great goddess's color became black because she was sexually aroused. I'm just pausing there for you to like do your own whatever with that. Uh, After some time, her two attendants asked her, give us some food. We are hungry. And she replied, I shall give you food, but please wait. After a while, again, they asked her and she replied, please wait. I'm thinking about some matters. Waiting a while, they implored her. You are the mother of the universe. A child asks everything from her mother. The mother gives her children not only food, but also coverings for the body. So that is why we are praying to you for food. You are known for your mercy. Please give us food. Hearing this, the consort of Shiva told them that she would give them anything once they reached home. But again, her two attendants, Darkini and Varini, begged her, We are overpowered with hunger, O mother of the universe. Give us food so we may be satisfied, O merciful one, bestower of boons and fulfiller of desires. So I just want you to do a reality check for some time in your life when you are trying very hard to focus on something else. And despite saying, give me a moment, I'm busy with something, you continue to be implored by your children slash attendants. If you have two attendants that are like, go you, but I'm suspecting most of these people listening who find this particularly resonant um, are attributing those qualities to their kids. Hearing this true statement, the merciful goddess smiled and severed her head with her fingernails. As soon as she severed her head, her head fell on the palm of her left hand. Three blood streams emerged from her throat. The left and right fell respectively into the mouths of her flanking attendants, and the center fell into her mouth. After performing this, all were satisfied and later returned home. And in fact, um, 
what we know is that Chinamasta is a form of Parvati. Parvati is the consort of Shiva. But obviously Chinamasta turns in, according to one of her other origin stories, um, uh, Shiva and Parvati are getting it on. Um, <laughs> God, how much does Amy tick that box? Um, Shiva and Parvati are getting it on. Shiva completes his process, uh, at which point Parvati turns into Chinamasta. <laughs> Holy, are we really talking about this? Yes, we are. Grow up, Amy. Okay, so there you have it. Uh, one of the origin stories of Chinamasta. Let's unpack it a little bit. So um, if Parvati is, we know Parvati as an archetype is the, you know, the perfect yogini. She's the uh, devoted consort of Shiva. She waited so long and worked so hard for him to see her. Uh, she did all the housework uh, at the meditation cave, flowers, oil, kumkum, whatever. She had it sorted out. She, Parvati was, um, you know, the, the, I mean, she wasn't meek or mild by any means. She was fiercely committed. She was very devoted, but, but she, I mean, she's a consort, right? Like she is a wife, a very good wife, uh, but a wife in the sense of not, I'm not talking about modern culture and equality, you know, a historical wife, subservient role. I mean, God, she was mortal and married Shiva. You know, you, you got to be a fairly powerful woman to make that happen. But there you have it. She was subservient in that way to Shiva. So here we see, after making, you know, sweet, sweet love with Shiva, the texts don't actually talk about her completion process. Remember, Amy's not ticking the box for for um, adult content. Despite, despite the texts not mentioning that she did whether or not she completed her um funky times with her husband. <laughs> he did. And at that time she transmuted into uh, raging raw feminine power. Uh, I didn't mention at the start, like Chinamaster is nude baby, except for what? Jewelry. Oh yeah. Naked. Except for, uh, you know, some pretty seriously bedazzled situation, uh, including yes, bedazzled, bedazzled. She is wearing a lot of jewelry um, and no clothes. So she's going to take, a, you know, take a splash in the, in the river. It's girl needs to cool down. Uh, and then she's focused because she's just been, well, you know, she's just had her Kundalini raised. Uh, that's the deal there. That's the tantric sex situation where the Kundalini, you know, goes up the chakras and shazambo. Um, that happens. So she's focused. She's, she's in the zone. She's trying to think about stuff. And, um, and she, and she is, things are requested of her. She says, wait, they're requested again. She says, please wait. They're requested again. She says, please wait. She's reminded of her, um, role. You're the benevolent mother. Um, you, uh, you know, this is your role. Um, you're the bestower of boons, bestower of boons and fulfiller of desires. At which point she, um, arguably, uh, you know, uh, completes the ultimate sacrifice and cuts her own head off with her fingernails. I mean, how kind of resourceful woman is that? Well, whoops, naked, only got my vajazzled, bedazzled. What am I going to do? I know. I'll decapitate myself with my own hands um, so that she can feed her attendants, her children. Now, 
let's put aside the, uh, you know, it's, it's fairly, um, it's fairly d- gross, right? It's kind of, um, like I said, she's not the, she's not the goddess that you see people wearing t-shirts strolling around Bali. That's not who she is. She's, um, she's full of magical powers. She's full of subversive, um, iconography. She really represents sexuality and raw power and, uh, self mutilation. But why is that interesting and what does it actually mean in a 2019 modern day context? And so forgive me, but this podcast is going to be slightly gendered and I'm going to apply more of um, the how I'm going to unpack the iconography of Chinamasta. I am going to speak more specifically about a woman's embodied experience. That doesn't mean I, you know, anti-man or anything like that or anti-non-binary or whatever, but I am going to talk um, more specifically for this episode about how the metaphor of Chinamasta can apply to modern yoga business women. So the first, um, the first element that I want to look at is the sexuality and the nakedness, because this is really one way of, um, demonstrating raw Shakti of demonstrating the power of the feminine form and the type of power that men can't have because of the nature of, um, just embodied experience. Right. And, and from a non-dual tantric, non-dual tantric perspective, we all know that we're all everything in one and both and all of those good things. But in this sense, um, she's showing us what happens when women really, really be themselves and go there. Like she has the, the cutoff head. One of the ways to interpret that is to say she is really without ego. And I use that term in the sense of, um, you know, uh, like ego in the sense of self-limiting beliefs or, um, self-limiting beliefs or, um, playing a role because of concern of external views and judgments. And I know none of you have ever felt yourself in that predicament. You're just constantly being your whole raw self. Fuck the consequences. If that's you, um, DM me because I want to hear from you. I've met a very few of those types of women in my life. I've seen women take up that energy over periods of time, but I have not met many women who actually exist in that way at all times for better or worse. That's probably a whole other podcast. So what she's showing to us is how is the raw power of the uncloaked feminine, the raw power of the, um, uh, ego liberated, Shakti energy, the, the raw power of, um, woman as sexual part, sexual partner, woman as mother and provider, um, woman, you know, in these really, um, fundamental, really base, really, um, profound roles that women can take. It's actually to my way of thinking an incredibly empowering goddess but it's, she's not for the faint of heart. So the, the, um, 
here where I think it's applicable for us as you, as business women is in the sense of um, obviously like playing small by limiting self-belief that are, that are either imposed by self or others that, um, you know, I, I think that all of us are capable of leading the most exceptional and amazing lives, but we don't because we just carry all of these layers and if you think of Tina Master, it would be like, you know, if she was clothed, if she was wearing a sari, you know, there is so much of us that is cloaked. And if we shed that, what we would become would be awe-inspiring and probably terrifying in equal measure, just as Tina Master is. And I said just now that perhaps this reflection and this opportunity to step more into the Tina Master energy is star energy. I'm sorry. I know my Sanskrit pronunciation is terrible. My English pronunciation is fairly terrible too, if that counts. Maybe it's an opportunity to do this from time to time or to simply recognize that in fact, we are more than how we experience ourselves uh, day to day um, and that there is a time to cloak that energy and a time to reveal it. Now, this is not me saying... Um, you know, fuck your way to the top or you transgress your boundaries with your students or whatever, by any means. I'm talking about here sexual energy in terms of kundalini, in terms of transformative power, which can manifest in all different types of creative endeavor. You know, it could be starting something completely new. It could be channeling your energy into really deciding to make something work. It could be standing on a stage bigger than you've stood on before. It could be, um, you know, like, like I had with some of my clients the other week, your first ever photo shoot, really deciding that even though it, this behavior is unnormal, abnormal, and even though people may feel uncomfortable because of the action you're about to take, that if you shed those limiting beliefs and became more naked, more real, more raw, more authentic, in fact, you could find that you are much more powerful than you had been giving yourself credit for and much more powerful than you had been reaping the boons from. I think I got that grammatically correct. Grandma. Oh. God. Anyway, I hope you get my point. So, so that's part of it. You know, the, the, the transmuting power, the sexual energy is about here. I'm taking it in terms of creative power and also in, um, in, in choosing to use that in ways that are conscious and not veiled or not cloaked by limitations that we perceive or impose on ourselves. So I think about a time when, um, I don't know, like this happens, it's, this is so insidious that it happens all of the time, all of the time. In fact, I bet that so much of what you're doing with your life, actually, if you could have it exactly how you wanted it, it would not look anything like what you're doing. I'm going to be controversial here and I don't have a personal judgment on it, but I want to give an example. I have a, a couple of friends, they have kids and they have said to me, you know, if I had my decision, I love my kids, but if I had my choice over again, I would not be a mother, right? 
Like that is raw, powerful, awe-inspiring and terrifying truth right there. It is really taboo for a mother to say that. Um, And it's uncomfortable. Um, And it's also completely real for these particular women. Not everybody, but I'm using this as an example. That's Chinamasta energy. Um, You know, we're in relationships with people. We're in friendships with people. We're doing jobs uh, from day to day. We're wearing certain things and eating certain things and um, just engaging with the world in certain ways that we have become so accustomed to, we actually enjoy. We take those things as our identity. And yet, if you really stepped more into that Chinamasta energy, what the hell would your life look like? Terrifying or inspiring, <laughs> sexy AF, um, bedazzled and bedazzled, uh, like fiercely, deeply feminine encoded um, and kind of, like I've been saying, like terrifying, but sublime at the same time. So for a, a journaling prompt or a consideration for this particular element, maybe call to mind something in your life that you know is uh, lackluster, that you know is not your real true passion. You know, I she may be listening. I, there's a woman in my community and we met when she was in the point of her life where she was recognizing that in fact her marriage had not been serving her for some time and that she had been building up with mantra and practice courage to end the marriage and that she was pursuing this particular training at the same time that was somewhat for me at least like out there Uh, but I'm very buttoned up so (laughs) my scale is distorted but yeah it was about that stuff um you know she was on the tipping point of stepping more into that chinamasta energy of I'm abandoning everything that is conventional and I am 100% going for my truth and it is going to freak people out and it is going to make people uncomfortable and it is going to scare me and it is going to worry my friends and family and I am going to do it anyway because I am ready to be completely myself, completely raw, completely vulnerable, completely naked and completely in my power. Is there somewhere in your life where that is showing up? It might not be as profound as a divorce it might be something as simple as, I don't know, like what you do day to day. Are you, are you doing daily chores that like, who cares? Do you know what I mean? Like, does it even matter? No. Um, I have this with my leg hair, right? Oh my God. I love it when I'm on a date for the first time. This doesn't happen with chicks, but it happens with dudes and they're like, Oh God, she's got hairy legs. (laughs) I love it. They get over it. But at the first, they're kind of awkward. Like, do I look? Do I not look? Has she forgotten? What's going on? You know, I haven't shaved my legs since I was 16 and I only did it then for peer pressure. Personally, again, like, why? I don't get it. Weird. Um, Anyway, like, I'm pretty sure Chinna Mastar doesn't doesn't shave anything. Uh, And I should be able to tell from the photo. There's, oh, no, there is quite a lot of, um, despite, despite, Sally Kempton saying her yoni is exposed uh, in this particular image in Sally's book. Her yoni is uh, discreetly covered over with some lovely jewelry. So I can't tell you, ladies, don't know. Who cares? My point here is, um, you know, it doesn't have to be leave your husband. It might just be 
don't pluck your mustache. I don't know. But what is your, um, you know, is there somewhere where you're just like ready to let go of something like free it up, uh, be raw, be a little bit nervous, but do it anyway. Um, I don't know. Like, do you need to, the next car that you buy, maybe it's not a four door hatchback soccer balls can fit in the back situation. Maybe you buy yourself something crazy. Um, maybe you go out and buy yourself like, I don't know, leopard skin bras. Um, and you accidentally not accidentally leave a top button undone just cause you want to like get the girls out and see what happens. Where are you, where could you be a little bit more saucy and raw and vulnerable? Sure. If you're up for it, but I'm pretty sure Chinna master is not going like, Oh my God, what do they think if I just wear like my necklaces? She's like, check me out. This is me. This is my bejazzled vajazzle. Like I am Yoni power and I'm loving it. The next piece that I want to talk about is of course the, uh, <laughs> the small matter of cutting off one's own head. Um, and how this one I think can be, uh, I want to look at both sides of this, the pros and the cons of cutting off your own head. Note, this is a metaphor. This is not a homework assignment. <laughs> okay. Kind of funny, not funny. So what we see here is she's reminding us that we have the capacity to sustain ourselves and others. And that in fact, in sustaining others, we must sustain ourselves. So like I read in the, um, like I read in Kinsley's account, three bloodstreams emerged from her throat. The left and the right fell respectively into the mouths of her flanking attendants and the center fell into her mouth. She here is showing us that she will provide. She will commit whatever is required in order to provide. She will sacrifice herself in order to provide for others, but never completely. So the teaching here is, at least Amy's interpretation of the teaching here is, you are inherently abundant. You always have more in the tank. Um, you can always figure it out. You can always do a little bit more. You can always sacrifice in some other way in order to provide for people who need it. This is one of the most beautiful parts of the divine feminine is that it is endlessly bountiful. And yet without nourishing ourselves, we can't continue to be that self-sacrificing. It's self-sacrificing in a way but it's self-sacrificing without being at the expense of the self, if that makes sense. We can only help others when we're in a position to. We can only nourish others when we ourselves are nourished. And if we do that for ourselves, we will not run out. So here, this one's an easy one to correlate, right? Like you want to give more? you got to give yourself more at the same time. You want to uh, do something deeply um, transformative for someone else. You want to really forego something of yourself in order to support people that you love. Yes. And in the process, you must nourish and support yourself. If you, if you give that up, then it's over then that's when you run into depletion. That's when you run into overwhelm. That's when you get into adrenal fatigue. That's when you go, you know what? I'm just going back to be an accountant because this stuff, this stuff is way too hard. So I, I think 
the reflection opportunity for today is um, there's two. One, where are you currently giving too much to others without feeding yourself? Like, you know, there's lot, all three streams of the blood coming from your neck are going to other people's mouths. Where is that currently happening? And how can you divert one of those streams back to yourself? Gruesome, but this is a metaphor. Like, where do you need to pair it back a little bit so that there is more for you so that you can continue to feed others? Right. That's the first reflection. And if you want to share this with me, hit me up on Insta. I love hearing from you at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. And then, of course, the second piece here is, are you hoarding too much of that to yourself? Are you um, fearful of supporting others? I see this. Um, I see this show up for women in my community who have been through chronic fatigue or um, uh, autoimmune stuff, flare-ups, burnout, you know, extreme stress. They have a hesitancy of uh, taking on too much because they don't want to get sick again. They've done that. They, They gave all three streams away and now they're hoarding all three through fear. Um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't protect, you all know me, I'm a huge fan of protecting yourself and all of those good things. But I can, this does make sense to me that people who have been really depleted, I mean, not just, oh my God, I need to take a bath this afternoon or I'm taking the next two days off. I mean, like really, you know, um, like I said, some of those things earlier, uh, you know, in in um, financially abusive relationships or bullying in the workplace or I could go on. But when you have been to that point where you are so beaten down, it makes perfect sense that you would be very uh, protective of your energy, right? Why would you give yourself in such a full way again when it served you so poorly last time? But could it be that there is a balancing out to be found there for you. If this is somewhere where you're finding yourself right now, is there somewhere where you are hoarding your energy, um, where it could be given out to others? I know you know, I've been reflecting over the past couple of weeks for me on the finances front, you know, I'm a, I'm a single person. Um, I don't have a family where an inheritance is coming to me. Um, there are probably going to be some significant costs associated with me being me into the future. And so, um, from a, I grew up through, um, you know, some pretty intense, uh, financial discord bankruptcies in the eighties and all of that good stuff. So I, my tendency, um, is to, be very conservative with my money and do lots of things with it. I'm keeping my power, baby, and I'm investing it here and I'm putting it over there and I've got all these systems in place and I'm smart and I'm managing it, but I'm hoarding it all for me. At least I, you know, when I, when I made this realization, I was hoarding it up. And, and so maybe, you know, letting go a little bit, I, I let realizing that in my past I had been at, I had ended up with nothing a number of times because I gave so much. Like I was broke and couch surfing for a year when, when my, when I went through a divorce, cause I'd given everything, you know, and I literally had, like I had nothing. Um, and, and the, the pendulum swing here was Amy then rather than having like all at that time, all three spouts, all three bloodstreams were going so to someone, not me. Now, well, until recently, the all three bloodstreams were just going back to me. 
So, huh, here's, here's an interesting, um, here's an interesting reflection, Amy, you are hoarding your bounty. If you are endlessly abundant, we know this to be the nature of the universe, even though we forget hashtag Maya, it's time to loosen up the hold. You need to give another stream somewhere else because you're okay, baby. You got this. And we don't have to, you know, if you, if you have been through um, medical distress as a result of overwork, or if you have come out of a financially abusive relationship um, like I have, or or if you have, um, this shows up in asana too, right? Like, like if you have injured yourself and so now all you do is restorative, you know, are, are you, is there somewhere in your life where these, where your bounty, your inherent energy, your, um, you know, your feminine abundance is being hoarded because of fear of past experiences? And is there an adjustment to be made there? You don't need to give two thirds of it away by any means, but maybe you could just experiment with loosening up a little bit in a way that feels scary, but safe and giving some of that energy away. You know, you see this in um, relationships where people cut people out completely. Just don't see them anymore. Or um, they give up something that they love or a hundred percent. They don't do it anymore. I, I never drink wine. I don't know. But maybe actually, maybe every now and then a glass would be amazing. Do you know what I mean? Or maybe it would be okay to uh, catch up with that old friend as long as you knew not to talk about those things. But these things, these things we always had fun talking about. Is there somewhere where you could loosen up the hold a little bit if you've been hoarding all of your own energy? Chinamasta reminds us that we can perform great sacrifice for the benefit of others as long as we nourish ourselves. So if you have performed great sacrifice and it without supporting yourself and you suffered as a result, what can you do differently? Or if you find yourself in that position now, do you either need to give a little more or give a little less to bring that balance back? Okay. Oh, I told you she was rather intense. Um, <laughs> okay. So that's the blood part of the decapitation. Now I want to talk about the decapitation itself and then we're going to wrap this up. Gory, sexy gore. Who knew that was a genre of yoga? business talks. Oh, season four, man, we've got to have some new ideas. So, okay. We talked about the blood. Let's talk about the head flip sides, pros and cons, headlessness. One, it's the representation of, of dropping the ego. And in Tantra, we actually like the ego. We actually think it's an important tool to be able to understand how we work in the world. We're not trying to kill it completely like some other traditions, but without enough reflection, in fact, it can entrap us if we think that we purely are what we have been in the past, right? If our, all of our experience of uh, an understanding of future possibility is um, based on what we've been in the past, then we are um, sure to perpetuate ongoing patterns. This is what karma is. And we're sure to um, continue to sort of essentially operate at the same level, right? You can't be the person you want to be with what the tools you've used in the past. So that's where Chinamasta reminds us that sometimes we need to like um, let go of some of that ego stuff. I think for modern yoga business women also like really bare bones and, and a blunt uh, gross level interpretation of this iconography. Like sometimes it just means to get out of your head, you know, like if you are overthinking, 
let you need a picture of China Masta on your desk. Like the girl just cut it off. That's how you get, how do you get out of your head? You cut that shit off. Like, you know, she was going to the source, no messing around. Um, if you get heady, if you overthink things, if you are um, over cogitating stuff, you know, chittavriti, 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 uh, thinking, 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 freaking out, freaking out. China Master says, no, no, no. Get back into your body. Get back into your sexy creativity. Get back into your raw nakedness and move from that place. Does that make sense? I love how I ask that and you can't tell me. <laughs> I want someone to send me a message on Instagram one day that says, yep, makes sense. <laughs> and I'll know that you've got to <laughs> that point in at least one of my podcasts. I think I'd say it every time. Um, the, the, the flip side of the cutting off the head thing, of course, is disembodiment, right? Um, and which is a huge realm that I'm unqualified to talk about at length, but the, the piece of it that I wanted to talk about today is, um, numbing or escape behavior, right? So this is, um, you know, in moments of overthinking, in moments of stress, if the decapitation, if we take that icon on in the shadow side, it shows up as disassociation and which can show up as behaviors to avoid what's actually going on for you. And to be, to bring it way back out of the kind of, whoa, Amy, this is, this is deep getting it right back to basics. This show can show up as like spending an hour on TikTok or half an hour on your Facebook feed when you actually just got onto social media to make a quick post, but then you just disassociate. I'm disassociating. I'm so freaked out about what to write in this Facebook post that I'm just going to like scroll for a half an hour, uh, as, as a, as a, um, a decapitation exercise, right? I'm avoiding doing the thinking on this. I'm just going to cut off my own head and scroll through social media. I'm just going to watch an hour of TikToks back to back because the idea of lip syncing to DJ Drez and then sending it out to the world is so terrifying for me that I'm just going to watch a whole heap of stuff and call it research. You know, it shows up like overeating, drinking, um, you know, sexy times with people that the next day you think, Oh, shouldn't have done that. Um, I don't know, whatever else you, you do buying too much stuff. I don't know. What else do people do for me? It's like Netflix bad. I mean, I watched all sorts of stuff. I just go on, like, I just go on Netflix benders. It's ugly. Doritos stuck to my shirt. No, it doesn't get that bad, but it's pretty bad. You know, these are, this is disassociation behavior. Again, if you're a psychologist, I'm not, I'm just giving some little, little crumbs. I know you're better at it than me. I got you. My point is China Master shows us that the cutting off your head can be good for you or bad for you, depending on your state and what needs to be actually happening. Mindful decapitation, metaphorical, metaphorical only. Don't try this at home. Kids can be really beneficial because it helps you get back into your body. It helps you remember who you are without all of the overthinking. But if you are doing it, if you are getting out of your head because what is in it is causing you distress or causing, if you are escaping yourself, then Chinamasta again reminds us that it is of the appropriateness of that action. You know, after she does this, after she 
cuts her head off, feeds the kids, goes back down to the cave. She turns back into Parvati. She turns back into the, the, the good consort of Shiva. She doesn't stay crazy sexy lady the whole time. Um, it's one of the roles of the divine feminine of the consort of Shiva, but it's not the one that she's in all the time. There is a time to cut your head off in the service of others. There is a time to be embodied and to release the confining nature or the limiting nature of your ego structures. Um, but that is not when you're looking to escape a difficult situation. So there you have it, folks. That's Chinamaster. She, if you, you know, happen down the street, you see a naked lady with a lot of gold bling on, holding her head in her left hand, having a little bit of a sup on her own blood, uh, a couple of chicks walking behind her also having a little bit of a blood bevy uh, and a fornicating couple somehow coming along with them as well. You know that's who she is. You've bumped into her. And and I think, you know, if you were going to use her as a um, as a teaching reference, I mean, you could teach like a you could teach a term of classes on the symbols of Chinamasta as you could with any of the devas, right? I mean, the, 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 these are all archetypes. They all have riches and riches within them. I've just chatted on for 45 minutes about like what, three things did we talk about? You could go on for a really long time. Who were her attendants? Who, who are the people like that? She's, you know, the, 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 the God of passion and he's misses that, that they're having sex along the ways. There's a whole lot of stuff going on here. Um, and I think what's also what I, why I wanted to talk about Chinamasta other than uh, a shout out to Beck, uh, follow her on Instagram. This light destroys darkness is that, um, there's so many things that we can talk about in yoga. You know, people often say to me, I, I want to do Facebook lives or I want to teach workshops or, or I'm worried that my classes are getting boring, but I don't know what else to talk about. Well, hell's bells. Here's one thing. If you're boring yourself or if you're thinking that you couldn't possibly do another summer workshop about Saraswati, do one on Chinamasta or, or just simply take this as inspiration to go find someone else to talk about. You cannot, I promise, and I'll say it again, you cannot run out of ideas if you take a look at yoga. It is infinite. Um, so a challenge, if I can do a podcast about Chinamasta, the self-decapitating, with her fingernails, sex-loving version of Parvati, I'm sure you can excite yourself. Uh, that, what, that didn't have it. That was not a double entendre. I'm sure you can excite yourself with new topics to bring into your classes, workshops, and events. Hey, folks, that is the end of Season 4 of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast again. I am infinitely grateful for all of you who listen to this nonsense, um, I can't believe it. Like, really? <laughs> Man, thank you so much. Thank you for sending me notes um, that it's of value. I would really like to make it more valuable. I know I can rabble on sometimes. Um, so your ideas uh, really help me out to make sure that the content that I'm creating for you is on point and it's going to be in service to you. Um, the podcast is one of my, the ways that I want to give back to the people in my community. So please hit me up on Insta at Amy Yoga Biz Coach is the way that I love hearing from people. I will reply to you because I love my Instagram messages. Have a great uh, summer, everybody, or those of you in the Northern Hemisphere. Ha <laughs> um, Sometimes it's good to be down here on a big island in the middle of nowhere. Um, and season five of the Abundant Yoga Teacher podcast will be coming out in January of 2020. Take care, everybody, and thanks. Thunder Pranam. Thanks so much. 
So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask. If you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care.